All right, welcome entrepreneurs. This is Joe DiCero with another segment of Bedrock University. And today I have a really special guest that we we actually handpicked out of millions of, uh, of thought leaders out there. And she's definitely a busy woman. Her name is Haley Gray. And she founded a company called Fiercely Marketing. And she's worked with hundreds of business owners over that time. She has a passion for helping them find ways to grow their business, acquire visibility, and transform themselves into the go-to expert in their industry while saving a significant amount of money. That's that's always nice, you know, especially when you're talking to an accountant. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the really interesting part that I wanna I wanna pick her brain about is the fact that she started a Facebook group only a couple of years ago and has over 60,000 members. It's called the Women's Entrepreneur Networking Group. And it's recognized as one of the best, most engaging and helpful groups on Facebook. And I have to tell you, if you haven't stumbled on them yet, you really should visit the group. And I did Haley and, you know, it was, it was amazing. Number one, the amount of people that you have, but the activity and what was also funny was that a bunch of my friends are members of the group. So when I joined, I, you know, it was like, I was always already uh, part of. So I'd like to introduce you now to Haley Gray. Hi Haley. Hi there. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for uh, visiting with me today. I am so happy to be here. This is a lot of fun. So tell me a little bit about you and, and the Facebook group. Sure. I started the Facebook group in 2015 on a lark because I was working with a business coach at the time who's like, yeah, you know, start a Facebook group, grow it. You'll, you'll be a millionaire in two years. And I was like, sold. And I'm one of those people who tends to not do anything by half measures. So it became a game for me to figure out how to grow this group organically and how in the world I was going to get people in there and turn them into clients, turn them into raving fans, and really make it a positive community for small business owners, particularly women, um, and help us all grow our businesses together. And it's been an amazing journey and fueled by, you know, so many people coming in. Um, and, And I also have to give a huge shout out. I have a tremendous number of volunteer admins in the group. So it is an all volunteer group. It's not like I have currently got people paid to manage the group, although that could happen in the future. And it's really cool to see everybody bring their own unique perspectives and ideas into the group and see how we can help each other really grow our businesses. It's it's a lot of fun and it's really cool. Yeah, and that's the the vibe that I got from the the short amount of time that I spent on it. But it sounds to me like you actually became your own client. Would that be accurate? Absolutely. 
and I, I always eat my own dog food. So I don't recommend that my clients do something if I haven't tested it myself. And right. I will actually borrow sometimes my friends or my clients' accounts and do A-B testing to say, okay, does this work better or does that work better? And of course, they get the benefit of being my guinea pigs from time to time. And really figuring out some of the growth hacking and, and some of the algorithms and some of the techniques that I've used to grow my group over time and truly improve the results. So your, your own great testimonial. In a way, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're a, let, let's talk about exactly what you do. What is uh, Fierce Marketing? So we are a digital marketing agency and we do websites, we do social media management, we do sales funnels, search engine optimization, content creation, all of that blah bitty, blah bitty, blah bitty, blah bitty stuff. But you hear people talking about um, in marketing today and there's so much technology behind it. I come from a technology background. I, I'm a developer with 20 plus years of experience and a Duke MBA. And so I love to marry that creative aspect with the analytical and the technical aspects and really leverage all of the tools um, to get better results. Okay, that, that's a lot of information. That's, yeah. So what we want to do, Haley, is try to teach our viewers mm -hmm. some of the techniques that you used and i think just using you know how you grew your own facebook group would be an excellent example right so if i wanted to and i'm doing this now so i'm going to pick your brains uh and hopefully knock yourself out <laughs> <laughs> so i'm starting my own facebook group because i see what the the benefit is and you mentioned that the fact that in the end, we all get to feed off of each other. Absolutely. You know, and that to me is the real benefit. It's not, mm -hmm. yeah, it's great watching and helping people grow their business, but the positive energy and we call it the halo effect that, that you know, that ripples through everybody's lives. So, mm -hmm. you know, what you're doing, you know, and also the fact that you're focused on women entrepreneurs. Yeah, uh, which is another major area that that women are finally taking over the world. <laughs> Actually, so, we're a minority of business owners. You know? I know, but it's it's changing. I just see it. I feel it because women are absolutely getting empowered. You know, thanks to people like you. Well, and I think that we're also realizing that fundamentally, you know, having a job can be a risk financially for us because you're beholden to your employer for your income. And then what happens when you get laid off or business needs change or whatever happens? I've been through layoffs myself, through major layoffs twice, once when the company that I was working for went under and once as part of a major restructuring at IBM. And it had nothing to do with my own performance and everything to do with just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So being able to be that owner of your own destiny is super important and then from my perspective the other thing that's important as a woman 
Um, as a mother, as a family member, is that I have a daughter who is now 21 who has severe persistent mental illness. She has schizophrenia. It is heartbreaking. Wow. One of the net results of that is that she goes in and out of the hospital. When she's in the hospital, my life at home is relatively calm because I know where she is and I know that everything is safe. When she is out of the hospital because she has severe schizophrenia, things are not so set and safe. And I need to be able to deal with the uncertainty that comes with dealing with a child who is very, very ill. And I honestly have to say, I am not sure, you know, an employer would really want to have me if I have yeah. to randomly miss days of work because, oh, I'm sorry, I'm down at the magistrate's office getting my daughter involuntarily committed again. Yeah. Because this is what I have to deal with. And we all have our things, right? I have a baby. I have a this. I have a parent I'm taking care of. We all have our challenges. Mine is neither worse nor better. But once you start factoring in the, okay, I have to be super reliable and on time, getting to a job, that can be super difficult. And then, you, you know, understanding that, okay, maybe I can manage this work-life balance thing a little bit better. Yeah, I could relate to that because I know that when my kids were young, you know, being an accountant, forget about seeing me during tax season. Right. That wasn't happening. And I wanted to be the little league coach. I wanted to be involved with my kids' school. And the only way I could do that mm -hmm. was if I quit my job <laughs> and exactly. started my own business, which caused some financial distress and some Absolutely. You know, issues at home. But I, I would never trade that for anything because I, I took control of my life. Well, and I will say, you know, there have been points here with my daughter, especially when this first started unfolding, where there was significant financial distress at my home. And my husband could not understand why I didn't just go back into the technology industry and go, go work for somebody. And it took him a couple of years to understand that I was really spending 10, 15, 20 hours a week managing my daughter's health condition never mind the other three children oh my god that right. one child's health conditions and the doctor calls and all of that kind of stuff and yeah you know i like to be able to go to my my younger daughter's field hockey lacrosse karate tournaments whatever and yeah. it's part of being you know a human and, and living this human condition of ours and being you know present for our families because i i don't know about you i don't live to work i work to live yes. and that's that's the point of what i'm doing and and that's where i'd like to segue into the part of the empowerment because what you're talking about is allowing showing people and it's not just women it's men too but I think women are, have been suppressed for a long time. <clears throat> uh, I lost my train of thought there, but <laughs> the empowerment that you show people that you, you can quit your job, it's okay to, to 
decide to take less money but have a better lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's up to you, you know. Absolutely, yeah. and you may need less money too if you're not paying for childcare. Yes. When I was working in my last corporate job, I was making six figures. Make no mistake, after I paid the taxes and after I paid for childcare, my wardrobe, the car expenses, gas, everything, the amount of money I had left per year and put a little bit aside in my 401k, I, I literally brought home about $5,000 a year. And that was off of a six figure salary because of alternative minimum tax, because of childcare expenses. And I have four kids, so it's not like those were small expenses. Yeah, and I so, had to, to really understand, you know, the financial implications of doing that. So sometimes making less is actually more because you're not incurring the same level of expenses. And then what happens is, because you know how, uh, how it works, in the beginning you might be making less, but then you're happier. Yes. And then you start attracting in more. That's how Absolutely. it worked with me. So. And I could relate, you know, I had the same issues that you had with your husband, with my wife, uh, you course. know, why can't you just get a job? And that's part of the entrepreneurial journey. We, we all go through that. There's no, uh, mm -hmm. I'm convinced there's, there's no way around the pain. You're going to have pain one way or another. Uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that that's part of the transformation that happens. Yeah. You but know, going like from to... that what society says you should do, you know, and what you think you should do. I mean, I was very much raised. You, you grow up, you get really good grades, you go to college and you get a job. And that right. was the rules. And, and I was a rule follower. I've always been a rule follower. I'm very good. If you give me rules, you know, for most of my life, I have very much been the person who, you know, takes those rules as an opportunity to exceed the rules. You're a programmer. I'm a programmer. I'm yes. an accountant. We follow protocol, right? But what I'd like to, to get into, and this wasn't what, what I think either one of us planned, but this is the way it happens because the, the best information comes out. You know, I started watching a, a show called Mad Men. Uh, or maybe it's Mad Men. I don't know. It's about the Madison Avenue uh, business, the whole advertising industry. Mm -hmm. And it was in the, it started in the early sixties. And if, when I was watching that, I could not believe how women were treated. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew it because that's what my, my mother was given a choice, be a bookkeeper or a nurse mm -hmm. or a teacher, I guess. So she wound right. up being a bookkeeper, but seeing it, it, and it wasn't that long ago. No, and it, it, it's still, there are a lot of undercurrents of it still. Right. So what I, and I like your opinion on this, what I see happening, the evolution is that women are finally, after all this time, they're saying, hey, you know what? I do have a choice. Right. Is that, so tell me what your, uh, like, what was the turning point for you to decide that? I'm going to be an entrepreneur despite um, what everybody's telling me. 
despite what everybody's telling me. So in 2013, I had just finished getting my MBA from Duke. And while I was at Duke, I was told multiple times by my manager that I was going to leave the company. And it eventually became a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, one of the things you learn while you're getting your MBA, financial accounting, reading, you know, earning statements, starting to really start to read the tea leaves of how the company is doing. And I realized that my career growth wasn't going to be in that particular location. And that the company as a whole, just based on the amount of cash that they had in reserves and the growth was ripe for takeover. So for me, I was like, okay, my career here is really going to be what it is now. It's not going to grow. And I finished my MBA and my father passed away eight weeks after I finished. And it was kind of a bookmark for me because my mother had passed away the week before I started my MBA program. And neither of my parents was very old. My mother was 67, my dad was 71. And as I sat there in the weeks after my father's death and going through, you know, probate and estates and opening accounts and all of the stuff that had to happen, I realized that it was really time for a change. And life is just too short because we never know how long we're going to get to stay in a situation where I was basically a square peg in a round hole. I would never be good enough at what I was doing, yet I was doing the work of five people and it would never measure up to whatever standards I was being held to because I was neither technical enough, nor was I this enough, nor was I that enough. And I realized, that was really not how I wanted to live. Um, so based on my father's death, it was that moment of just instant realization of, okay, I'm going to make a change. And that was when I went from doing my daytime job with a little bit of business consulting on the side to, okay, I'm going out and I'm starting my home care agency. And I did my home care agency for three years until my daughter had her traumatic brain injury. And I realized I couldn't do that anymore um, with staffing and so, kid demands and everything else. All right, hold on a second, because you skipped over a whole big thing. So you've had this, it sounds like this epiphany, right? I had a huge epiphany. So how, what did you do then? I mean, because you're married with children. Did you just right. tell your husband, hey, I'm quitting my job and starting a home health care agency? I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did. Absolutely. How did that, because you're making a good salary. Right. And I inherited a fair amount of money. We had a good amount of money in, in savings. So it wasn't that big of a concern at the time. Okay. Because, so you the, know, most businesses don't make it. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, you took your MBA and all, you know, the numbers that, you know, and that's why I'm pretty much doing what I'm doing now, because I feel like, you know, we need to, people like us need to educate mm -hmm. the, you know. Right. The, and that there is no outside funding, that it's going to come from you or your loved ones. Right. 
unless you're buying inventory, yeah, then you can get a small business loan. But the reality is for most small businesses, there is no such thing as small business loans. Right, right. Unless you're willing to borrow money from Cabbage and pay 35% interest. Yeah. Yeah, there, there are sources, but it's expensive. They're, they're far too expensive for most business owners to even begin to contemplate, nor should we, really. Right. If you're going to borrow money to start a business, you shouldn't start the business. Absolutely. Right. So what would, so now you have this huge group of, right. of entrepreneurs and mm -hmm. I would, I would guess that a lot of them are in the same position that you are in. Yeah. What would you tell them? What, because going into a business now is a, a very risky undertaking the chance right. you're not going to succeed the first time mm -hmm. or the second time or the third time right how do you i mean you had the impetus you had you know a whole it was like the perfect storm it was the right time for you right well i think that you know one of the things that many of us do too early is quit our jobs so i will tell you that i should not have quit my job when i did um Good. you know thing lessons definitely learned don't quit your day job do this on the side until you are making enough money that you can move out and honestly you know a lot of times we spend money on stuff we don't even need in our businesses, in our lives, et cetera. It's amazing how when we really choose to, we can really buckle under and save a lot of money. So, you know, focusing on that, you know, not going out too soon, but not spending money needlessly. That was another mistake I made, was hiring too soon, too fast, um, and honestly spending too much money on advertising, which I learned the hard way, you know, going out just because somebody has a, or seems to have a huge track record doesn't mean that they're any good at what they do. Okay. That's a, a great segue into what I really want to talk to you about, which is the, the advertising, the marketing. You know, mm -hmm. I always look at a business as, as having three legs. There's what you do, which is the operations. There's what I do, which is the administration, you know, all the stuff like the accounting and insurance mm -hmm. that you need. And there's marketing. Right. Because the, if you don't have marketing, if you don't have sales, you don't have a business. So I, people tend to get sucked into the marketing black hole. Right. Well, and I think that, you know, one of the things that's worth noting is that effective marketing in today's environment um, is not a standalone thing. Effective marketing for most small business, small to medium sized business owners is something that is integral to the operations and the administration of the entire business. And the reason I say that is because if you are building a sales funnel, if you're building a website, that needs to be integrated tightly into what you're doing as a business owner. And it needs, you need to understand things like what 
a customer is worth to you, your total lifetime value, the average amount of a purchase. Um, you need to know who your customers are, right? And being able to retarget those people and finding ways to get in front of them, whether it's messaging them, you know, using text messages or sending them a happy birthday email. Those are marketing activities, but those have to be integrated into the operations of the business because yes. you have to track those people. And the thing is, is that marketing should never be a black hole. And I honestly believe that doing advertising for the sake of awareness is a complete waste of time. So tell me, what's the difference between marketing and advertising? So advertising is typically paid ads. And, and I believe that advertising absolutely pay, plays a key core role as part of your overall marketing strategy. However, advertising in most cases is one of the last pieces that should be added and it should be added with very careful forethought because you have to know what you're driving people to. So many times people will put up an ad and like think of the IBM Watson ads. I don't know about you, but I personally, even as a software engineer who has worked for IBM, I'm really still not sure what they're getting at or what they're trying to get me to do. I see the ads everywhere, I remember them, but I don't have a clue how they really want to interact with me as a person, as a business owner, in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So I'm completely mystified. Well, you know, isn't it? So IBM's a huge company. They, right. You know, and I, I asked because I, I'm studying, you know, a lot about sales and marketing and it has to do with psychology. Mm -hmm. So I have a, a mentor that teaches me a lot. And I asked him about billboards. I said, these companies got these huge billboards with just a tire on it and a name. I'm like, right. what? those aren't cheap. So they have a different method i guess they got a lot of money right to, but for people like like me like my clients we don't have a lot of money right and i don't think that advertising for the sake of brand awareness is necessarily effective you're going to gain brand awareness just by doing ads that have a call to action that drive people to to your website, to a particular landing page that you're tracking, and then you're retargeting, and you're building brand awareness intentionally and okay. methodically. And, you know, frankly, I would go so far as to say that a lot of these large companies who are spending millions and millions and millions of dollars like this are spending money and frankly wasting it. Because okay. they don't have a clearly defined target and purpose behind that advertising. Let me stop you there for a second. I, I want to go back to a, a comment that you made that I've been trying to teach people for a long time. You said that it's basically integrated, right? Your operations yes, absolutely. and administration have to be integrated with your marketing, correct? Mm -hmm. 
So I always looked at that as, and I'll tell you a true story that I had. I, I tell people, what if your marketing works and you're not structured? Mm -hmm. I put an ad when QuickBooks first came out, I put an ad in the, in the paper and I got bombarded. I couldn't handle all the business. My practice, right. I had, I hired people, I was booming and the whole thing collapsed. Right, because you didn't have, have the infrastructure. I didn't have the infrastructure. I didn't have a way to train my people. So yeah, imagine you spent all this money on advertising and mm -hmm. it worked. <laughs> and then, right. you know, so it's dangerous. It can be very dangerous. And this is a conversation that I have with people regularly is, okay, so why are we advertising? How much business are you trying to generate? How many leads do you need to actually generate? And where does it make sense to actually get those leads from? Because there are times where, yes, I could do Facebook ads and Google ads and do all these cross-channel ads for your business. And you could pay me $1,500 a month for your ad spend and your ads management. However, could you handle me bringing in an extra $15,000 a month in business every single month? And the answer for some small business owners is no, because I brought you in $15,000 last month. Well, those became recurring clients. And now we've added another 15,000 this month plus, so maybe a little bit more. And you know, you, you start to grow into that like almost exponential growth super, super fast and you isn't can't that, even maintain inventory to keep up with it. Isn't that where they say people try to expand too fast? That's one of the- Absolutely. Okay. And you know, it, it, it's almost, it's not doing your clients a favor because you're literally going to drive them out of business because they can't keep up with the growth that they're driving. I agree. I've seen, I've worked with thousands of businesses over the years and, and you know, it's one of the most dangerous places to be well, is that exponential and, growth. And this is, you know, what I'd like to bring out here because before we got online, I was talking to my, my own social media guy and I was telling him that we need a way to track all this stuff mm -hmm. because it, business, unfortunately, always comes down to numbers and absolutely a lot of people don't like the numbers i know that it scares them but if you don't have a way to track it like i'm paying him i said i could look at my bank account to see if it's working but i need to know where it's working why it's working would you agree with that absolutely if you can't measure it it might as well not be happening Okay. You might as well be going to Vegas and playing the slot machines and hoping that that works. So let me ask you, getting back to the whole Facebook group, because I think Absolutely. maybe if you took us through your, uh, your steps on how you did it, maybe we, you know, we can use that as a template. Is that possible? Absolutely. I mean, there, I, I would go so far as to say there's not like any huge mysteries of what I did to grow the group. And I will say that it has grown in phases. Um, you know, the, the thing that you have to remember with growing a Facebook group is that some of those metrics get harder to manage because you've got like so many different layers of things going on. Um, so 
if you go back and you say, okay, I'm going to start a Facebook group, one of the things that you need to be doing early on is trying to capture email addresses. So one of the mistakes I made was not capturing email addresses and not capturing likes on a business page. Okay. You can do one or the other to target people. Let's, let's step back a little. Uh, uh -huh. You said that you started the group like on a lark. I did. Okay. What do you mean by that? Um, you know, it was like, oh, this sounds like a good enough idea at the time, right? Um, getting people together that are entrepreneurs, having discussions about business, supporting other people, and they'll eventually support me too. So did you like come up with a written plan? Like this is what I want to accomplish or did oh, you heck no. bring it? It was just totally winged. Okay. And I actually don't really recommend that for people if I, if I can help it. It's like, a, okay, so what is the purpose of this group? And really taking a step back because I've had to go and figure out those things after my group grew explosively. You know, I figured out the growth part, but I didn't figure out the monetization part. I didn't figure out all of the objectives part initially. And that has been a very costly mistake. So understanding what your business objectives are for a group, if you're growing a business related group in any way, shape, form, or fashion, um, is super important. So, you know, start, begin with the end in mind, as, you know, Stephen Covey would say. So you didn't follow your own advice? Absolutely not. I, I just did it because I thought it would be fun. You know, and you know, and it has been fun. Successful ventures start out that way. Absolutely, you know, and and I have made money, and it has been so much fun and so much support, and a lot of my best raving fans come out of that group. So what was so I I just I started a group last night. Is mm -hmm. one member me? Right. <laughs> and then what do you do with it, right? Well. First, and you're telling me now, I got to think, what is my purpose of this group? Right. So I understanding mean, know, who you want in that group, you know, is kind of the first objective. So I knew I wanted women business owners in that group and okay. a few smart men. <laughs> um, so what I did is I sat out and I messaged friends that I knew. I did not send people friend requests and then instantly message them and ask them if they wanted to join my group. <laughs> I sent out messages to a few people that I knew who I thought would be a good fit for the group. And I invited them personally and said, hey, I just started this new group. I just wanted to invite you. So that was phase one, invite 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 you know whether it was people on linkedin whether it was people on facebook okay you know and it's it's worth noting that not all of your traffic is going to come straight from facebook you can attract people from other platforms oh that that's a good point you can send them emails you can send them a text message you can contact people in other ways so don't think that you are bound to only facebook if it's a facebook group Right. I mean, yes, the group is on Facebook and the person has to have an account on Facebook, but you're not stuck recruiting only on Facebook. Right. And that's kind of like one of the first biggest laws that I think to some people is like this like mind blown kind of a thing. Oh, you mean I don't only have to get people from Facebook? And the answer is no. You know, 
you say it and it seems obvious, but you know, my mindset, I'm not thinking of marketing to my LinkedIn followers about my Facebook group, but why not? But why wouldn't you? Because I'm thinking it's Facebook. <laughs> right. But how many people are on LinkedIn that are also on Facebook? Oh my God. I probably Most. have five times more followers on LinkedIn than on Facebook. Exactly. But people are more likely to engage in a Facebook group than they are in a LinkedIn group. Right. I got that. Yeah. So, so then you get people to join your, your Facebook group. You send invitations. That's round one. Round one is the easy one. Okay. No, think of ways that you know of that you can get people into your group. If you have a Twitter account, putting a pinned post on your Twitter account, Tweeting about it. You know, if you have any amount of followers, Twitter and Pinterest are tremendous traffic drivers. Okay. You know, making sure that you're just going out and putting stuff out there, it's amazing. Um, so it's just, the activity. You have to have It's activity. the activity. You have to invite people. If they don't know it exists, then how are they going to find it? You know, and I saw you. You're very active in the group. I mean, you have a mm -hmm. lot of posts. Right, and I schedule content into the group. So I do a mix of handwritten content and scheduled content using the Edgar or Buffer or whatever. Um, I make a point of sharing content into the group. So I plan that content out. And Meet Edgar allows me to reuse content. So if you think about it, you never want to be in that situation where you're like, oh, well, I created 90 posts, and it's really easy to create. 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 posts in, in a day or two, right? Using yeah, for, yeah. Canva to make the graphics all pretty. Okay. And then you can upload them to meet Edgar and have one a day post into your group. Okay, wait. So those tools, that's Canva. I'm familiar with that. Canva for the graphics. And what's the other one? Meet Edgar. M meet Ed Edgar? It's a social media post scheduler. Okay. And so the beauty with Meet Edgar is that it will allow you to reuse content. Okay. Repurpose. Which is absolutely invaluable in a case where you're on LinkedIn, you're on Facebook in a group, you're on Facebook on a page, because if you can reuse content every so often, I'm not saying reuse it three times a week, but if you reuse it every four months, nobody's going to remember having seen that post in the first place. Oh, really? So you can just recycle the post? Uh-huh. Absolutely. And you can go in every so often and freshen them up and get rid of ones you don't like, add a few more, go into Canva, you can create a batch of 30 real quick, takes an hour or two. Oh, so you have boom, a whole- Boom, 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 boom. Drop them right into Canva. What you're telling me is you pretty much have a system for developing, for creating the content. Absolutely. And having a system for developing your content is important in pre-doing the content. Don't rely on doing it at the last minute. You know, I do. Right. And, and how, how consistent are you able to be if you're doing your content at the last minute? You know, and that's part of, and I know this, this is what I teach about developing the right habits. <clears throat> and I'm trying to be my, a good client of my own. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's not easy. You know, it's developing a, a new habit. Well, 
and if you think of it this way, as opposed to trying to come up with new content every day and white knuckling it, what if we put infrastructure in place that made it hard for you to fail? That's, and that's what you do, right? Right, exactly. I mean, that's what I do with marketing. That's what I do in my life. That's how I've lost 135 pounds. Wow. By putting infrastructure into my life that makes it hard for me to fail. So the way that you make it hard for you to fail is that you set up four days a year, maybe five or six, you know, preferably four, one a quarter. You, you pencil it in on your calendar, you pull up your phone, you schedule that day as your eight hour block to create social media posts. Really? Do it in chunks, create a spreadsheet, write down all your ideas. And you can either do just written posts or you can do graphic posts and you can use Canva to do it. If you're really not graphically inclined, trust me, you know, I have a graphic designer, I have people in the Philippines, I have people in the US who can create you batches of content for a few hundred bucks. Right. Like you tell them what you want, they will create it and bada bing, bada boom, you, you have content. You want to systematize it. You systematize it. You make it hard to fail. Anytime you have to rely on remembering to do an activity every single day, you, you're going to fail because you're not going to do it. You're going to so, wake up one morning and be like, I don't feel like the Instagram today. I know. Or you sit there and you're like, I have, I can't, my brain isn't working today. Right, exactly. The brain took a day off. I have the flu. I'm sick. I'm whatever. Yeah. So how do you show up consistently? You so schedule it. The way that I was thinking, this is why I love doing these interviews, because I, I keep getting <clears throat> a little bit closer, like, oh, this, this thing fits. Yeah. I was approaching it like, okay, I got to set aside an hour on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to do my blog post. Mm -mm. You're telling me there's another way to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> like, because that's, I'm like, three times a week I have this block, and then what if I don't? What if you don't feel like it? What if you have clients? That's what usually happens. I don't, feel, but then at 11 o'clock at night, I get this. Right. And I'm up till three in the morning writing. Right. I, well, I, I, and, and if part of your business is that you're writing blog posts, schedule days to write blog posts, turn off the phone and make those days unavailable to clients. Okay. Make those, make that planning time. And this is operations 101, right? Yes. Devote time to your business planning and eliminate the distractions. You know, that because I've been doing that with my accounting practice my, my whole career, I used to just set aside a day to answer notices. Mm -hmm. I would let the notices pile up for a week or two. Right. And instead of answering one, the, I would just spend the whole, and I got it done. You, mm -hmm. You're right. You brought that back to me. Right. <laughs> and it applies to marketing. It applies to your operations. It applies to... You know, if you're going to send out emails to your list, you can, nobody said you had to write them one at a time. <laughs> so, yeah. There's no, no rules that and say you have, have to do it all there. And the thing is, like, people will push back on me. Well, you know, people might see the meet Edgar thing or, you know, whatever. I'm like, well, you can use Facebook Creator Studio for 
your business page posts and your Instagram posts so that you don't see the neat Edgar there. And honestly, in your group, nobody's really going to care if you, if you batch it and use a little scheduler there and then you use some of the neat Edgar stuff. They don't really care. Right. They just want good information. Right. And, and you can show up when you are able and feeling up to it to hop in and do a Facebook Live, schedule a Facebook Live once a week. You know, you don't have to be beholden to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday drudge. Right. You know, if you, if you want to show up once a week and do a Facebook Live, you can record it, turn it into a podcast, put it up on YouTube, slice it 15 different ways to text us, and you've got content for, for months on one single video. That's awesome. Haley, listen, we're, we're almost out of time. I didn't cover half of what I wanted to, so I'm going to ask you to come back again if that's possible. Absolutely. Uh, so if I wanted to hire you, how, how would I go about doing that? Sure. You can find me through my website, fiercelymarketing.com. Um, you can email me. I'm Haley at leadershipgirl.com. That is my blog site. Um, is leadershipgirl.com. My main email is Haley at leadershipgirl.com. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook or LinkedIn, Haley Gray on both platforms. Okay, that's awesome. Do you have any kind of special offer you would? Uh, special offers, you know, honestly, our pricing is very competitive and we, we really do our best to not overcharge people for things they don't need. Um, so, you know, come to us, sit down, do a free strategy session. That is really something that I like to do with people is a free, no, no sales, no pitch strategy session. I'm going to, I'm going to take you up on that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to. And, you know, and for me, what's so cool about doing that is that, you know, it's not about selling you anything, but I can always help, you know, and if I can help each person move the needle just a little bit, it's just, it's magic. Well, you did, you helped me already. That's why I said that this is uh, awesome. Thank you. You, uh, you hit a grand slam. Well, thank you. All right. So I want to thank you again, Haley, from what it, fiercelymarketing.com, Haley Gray. And you've been a great guest. And I'm looking forward to, to watching the, the replay of this. Thank you. Any parting words you would like to give a, an aspiring entrepreneur? Women, male, it doesn't matter. If you're just thinking about starting a business, what would you tell them? I would say it's all in the relationships. I can do digital marketing until the cows come home. But if I can get you on a call and I can talk to you or I can do a Zoom with you or I can meet you for coffee, that is where business is really built. It's those personal relationships and that word of mouth that is so incredibly powerful and it's mostly free. It's just your time. And you're not spending crazy advertising yeah, budgets on that. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I, I decided to do this platform because I'm getting to, to meet people all over everywhere. You know, I don't even know where you are. <laughs> I am in Cary, North Carolina. Oh, you're in North Carolina. Cool. Absolutely. How's the weather there? Um, it's about 80 degrees and rainy today. Oh, wow. It's okay. supposed to be 40 and rainy tomorrow. Okay. So we're in the same boat pretty much. Absolutely. All right, Haley Gray, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and I will be in touch.
Thank you.